We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your co-host, Alex Gibson, alongside my two best friends, the Plymouth Playboy, Chris Scott Moore, and yeah. Big Daddy Cool, Sean Nash. What's going on, boys? Hell yeah, what's happening? Thought I'd switch it up and compliment you both today. Um, we've got a great show coming on your way. Um, this past week, we uh, we had a good chance to uh, get together and talk about a lot of this, so I'm excited to kind of bring Entertaining clients. Yeah, exactly. Uh, doing some some co-worker bonding, our company holiday party. It was a great time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, please make sure you're checking out our website, wrestlingleas.com, for our latest match reviews and articles. Uh, today, we published an article detailing my wish list for what we'd like to see or what I'd like to see AEW do in 2023 to kind of take that next step. Um, I also recently broke the news to the guys that we do have a merch shop, um, which is likely to have some <laughs> changes coming up over the now next few weeks. Too. So uh, if you are interested in any Wrestling Elitist merch, I would suggest jumping on that before the end of the year. There's currently a 10% off code on the site. Uh, it's FTOP, friend of the pod, for 10% off. Uh, some experts are comparing buying that merch to buying Bitcoin in 2012. So do with that information yeah. what you will. Um, please also make sure that you're checking out our Twitter and Instagram at Wrestling Elitist Podcast uh, and, and just tweeting out our articles as well as the show to uh, help us grow the show organically. Uh, Sean, how about you uh, go ahead and let the people know how the show will go? The show this week will go with our news, match, moment, cringes of the week, along with what we're looking forward to in the coming weeks and months, and maybe some extra stuff, but it's, it's kind of been a light week. It's, it's kind of kind of nice. It's been tilling down yeah. since the end of the year. Yeah, it's been, I feel like most weeks it's been where we have, I have like 15 things that I can choose between on a lot of stuff, and then this week was... It was pretty it was pretty much chalk i felt like everything was kind of like yep this is what i'm going with for this this and this uh so it feels a little bit um good there and i think also we are gonna at the end of this uh at the end of our normal segments we'll kind of talk about some more on that 2023 article that i wrote uh, as well as a uh, big announcement that the elitists have um for some changes to uh the podcast a little bit here so let's jump right into it though let's go news of the week first chris what was your news of the week? Yeah, this isn't light news at all. This is horrible. Barry Windham. <laughs> yeah, today. yeah, no, uh, terrible news with Barry Windham. I don't want to make light of it by any means, but he did have a heart attack and he's in intensive care. Uh, hopefully he does get better. Uh, Barry Windham was a legendary uh, wrestler with NWA and WCW back in the day. He had a couple of runs, a cup of coffee in the WWF back in the day, uh, most notably at WrestleMania 1. Uh, the tag team US Express, but he had some awesome matches with Ric Flair. So if you're looking to go back and watch some good Barry Windham shit, watch his match against Ric Flair from Worldwide in 1987. I think it was January of 87. It does a Broadway on TV. Fantastic uh, five-star level-ish match. It was very, very good. Um, I hope nothing happens to him. I mean, I, I, I saw in the news that um, this isn't his first heart attack, which is very scary to I'm think scary. of but such a big guy i mean like it's just jesus christ like it's uh scary to think like how can someone that big have two of these massive things so hopefully everything uh gets better for him and he does get well and he gets support and he, he got ahead of it as opposed to um you know being in a worse situation but uh wrestlers have come back from this before flair had a heart attack i believe or some sort of heart complication so did triple h so you never know. Hopefully he pulls through, but uh, what a legend Barry Windham is. 
Yeah, I, uh, sad news there. And I was surprised to see that he was only 62, which um, kind of t- there's a part of me that's like that's old in wrestler years, especially for that era of wrestler. But well, that, yeah, um, that's what's scary. You're like, shit, that's 90 in human life. Also, also, I when I, I looked him up earlier when I saw that that was your news, because I was wondering, is he the namesake for Bray Wyatt's real name being Wyndham Rotunda, which he is. I also didn't realize, though, that he is uh his brother-in-law is IRS Mike Rotunda. So yeah, I didn't re- I didn't realize that there was so many, con- so many connections in there. I thought they were just like best friends or something like that, but yeah, the US Express, there, man, yeah. those two are best, best buds. Definitely uh, hoping for a quick recovery there and, and hopefully an inability to um, kind of make some changes there. So when he does get out, he can hopefully, uh, you know, get healthier and not have this, especially if it's not number one. Uh, Sean, what was your news of the week? My news was there's some returns coming to WWE. It sounds like uh, on Impact, Eric Young was murdered, killed, dead, and oh God, he right. will uh, that is that, that's not that is not you uh, being facetious. That is actually mm-hmm. what they did, right? That that was the story that, was, that they're going with. Very interesting by by Impact. Also, sounds like maybe Chelsea Green and Deanna Perrazzo of the they're still called Knockouts and Impact. I uh, they might be headed back to WWE NXT now that Triple H is all at the helm of all that. So interesting to see. And there's also, I think, uh, another big guy heading back if uh, you want to knock that one down, Alex. Yeah, I think the biggest one, the one that we keep seeing reports on over the last two weeks that we've kind of talked about a little bit, but I don't think we've fully jumped into because, as you know, we have a little bit of a disdain for wrestling journalism around here. And we didn't want to talk about something that could be happening or could not be happening when it's it seems so up in the air, but I think you're starting to see some reports that are very much doubling down on the idea that Regal is leaving AEW and heading his way or making his way back to WWE to be with, you know, I think him and triple H are really close. Kind of makes sense. Uh, EC three came out and said today that, um, he, he had heard when Regal joined, he immediately regretted it because of the immaturity and amongst kind of leadership at AEW, which there's a part of me that doesn't want to believe it because it's EC3 and he just kind of needs to do stuff to make a name for himself. But I also think where there's smoke, there's fire. It's one of those things where it feels like that's a common theme, that thread of there's a lack of maturity or a lack of true leadership in AEW at times. So it doesn't surprise me. And, um, you know, sad to see Regal go, but I think that he did have a, a good run. It's kind of sad the way that it ended. I think uh, the Blackpool Combat Club could have been so much more than it ended up being, but the initial start of it, his return and or his debut uh, with uh, Mox and Danielson, I think uh, will forever be a, a great moment in 2022. So whatever makes him happy makes me happy because I, I do think that WWE right now, when people are going there, I'm not so sad. I used to be sad about it, not because I wasn't going to see them in AEW, but because I felt like they were just going to do nothing or, or be wasted. They're- well, I don't think. Well, I don't think William Regal is going to go out and uh, be much of an on-screen character, knowing that he's doing what makes him happy and getting to help develop the NXT stars. I think is uh, is always a win. Yeah, you know, you hear rumors to attach to that. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr., another stalwart in the world of reporting accuracy, um, but did say like, you know, that is bullshit about him not, uh, or, uh, wrestlers not being respectful of his advice. Cause that was kind of, uh, also in the rumor mill of like guys not taking his advice or not wanting to listen to him. Um, 
and he did say like nah, he would people would practice in the ring with them before the shows and stuff like that so it's not that's not entirely true um i hope that's not the case that people don't listen to them but at the same point i can understand to a certain extent of like that's something that does happen quite a bit in wrestling like the whoever is six years old or you're just of a different generation and that older generation is always going to think that guys today move too fast. They don't sell. They don't tell stories. They they don't know what they're supposed to do. Right. They're fucking up. They're exposing the business. You always hear those kind of things. Now, I don't think William Regal would. This is my projection. I don't think he's one of those guys that's such an old fogey who's a, a bitter fucking has been who's broke and negative like that. But it is something that you do hear from wrestlers quite mm-hmm. a bit of like guys not listening. But. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, his son's there too. I mean, Jesus Christ, like let him be with his yeah. son. Like anytime someone has their kid or a spouse in a different company, you can't expect them to sign a six year deal and stay there. That's just silly. And hopefully again, I, uh, maybe this backfires, but I like the idea of people jumping from show to show a little bit, like it freshens the landscape up. People aren't stuck and trapped, uh, at a company for many years and it gives, I don't know fans a lot to talk about there's always that speculation it goes back in the monday night wars where you never know what's going to happen each week a lot of excitement and energy in the shows and it's just a natural way to um have surprises i i I think so too i think that it'd be good to have some more back and forth and to be able to have um just like you said the fresh it almost makes it feel like the territories right spend two or three years in somewhere and then go somewhere else and and prove that you aren't just a product of the system you're in. I think one of the things, so just on the the wrestlers taking advice, and I'm not defending them for this, but I think a lot of those guys, especially if you look at the elite and some of those more indie stars, I think the problem that you run into is a lot of those guys made a career out of not doing it the traditional way, right? Like Absolutely. They, a lot of it, a lot yep, of it is it's guys that were, um, you know, helped create, you know, this whole world where indie wrestlers actually make good money. And so I think there's probably a little bit of a cockiness to them and, and, and in terms of, and also just like, if I did what you did, I never would have made my name. And so I think that there's just a little bit of a disconnect in that regard. And one other point I just wanted to make too was, I think the surest sign that the wrestling journalists are actually correct on this is Regal is the first one to shit on every single time there's any report about him that uh, he deems is false and he has not come out and said a single word about any of this. So that kind of is what's made me start thinking, okay, maybe this is legit. No, just piggybacking off of what you said too. I think like that's another sign as well. I think there's probably a projected, um, oh, these guys are assholes or, oh, these guys don't want to listen because they rightly so they didn't have to listen and they, they ignored advice and they got to where they were, like you said, because of the things that they didn't do and the advice they maybe didn't take. So I think there's probably a projection that, Oh, they're assholes or they're dicks or whatever. And let's admit it. Wrestlers aren't the most emotionally stable people in the world. <laughs> like with the yeah. high emotional <laughs> intelligence and uh, ability to uh, have a level play, you know, attitude and head and stuff. So that could be it as well. It's a jealousy business, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 there is a, there is a little bit of me that has to laugh though. When I see like the internet wrestling community kind of talking like shit about the fact that no AEW wrestlers supposedly don't take any advice and, you know, and listen to the old timers because it's the same people that you'll see commenting about like, okay, boom, or you don't know any, like they'll shit on any time. Somebody who's like older has any type of like an opinion at work yeah, or at, making fun like, of anything me. like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, but then they're like, well, why aren't you taking advice from this old timer who's been in the business for years? It's like, well, you don't, you seem to not want to yeah. do it in your life either. But, um, yeah, I think just to also just touch back on Sean's point, I think it's, it's been interesting to see Triple H continue to bring back people. And uh, you'll see that that's why you don't go on and do a shoot interview this day, uh, 91 days after your uh, release from WWE, because you can always keep that, keep that bridge unburnt and then you can, uh, you can come back when the time is right. So just a thought. Uh, moving on to our match of the week, uh, Chris, what was your favorite? So yeah, mine was uh, Brian Danielson going over Dax Harwood. I thought Ooh. Dax was going to actually pull this off and win, and so I was really invested in it. I love the story that they told that Dax was an equal to Danielson, and then at the end, uh, his maneuvering got the best of him, and Danielson was able to lock on the little bell lock, I think it was, not the Rings of Saturn one, but yeah. But amazing match. I thought it was really, really, really great. Cemented in my mind that Dax is the wrestler of the year. I I, I Moxley had a very, very great run this year, and I think he's the heart and soul of AEW, but I think from an in-ring perspective, the guy who had the best matches of the year was Dax. Oh, totally, totally. This was definitely just two wrestlers competing for wrestler of the year in a match, and Dax lost, but he still comes out the winner, I think, of that with you. Um, love the the whole fake punch out into the pile driver move. Normally we see a little different, but that was a beautiful little twist on it. The, love the finish, too. Just the, the rolling around in that, and then Danielson, smarter, the, the better grappler, figures it out and says, fuck this, let's end it. And the hug at the end, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, show, great fake show out. Respect. Yeah, loved it. <laughs> yeah, just great, great match. I thought it was a good match, but I think... You you talked about how you actually thought Dax might win there. Um, and then I think him not winning really took the wind out of my sails. I'm just, he's had a lot of great matches like this, but I, I'm done with the like Dax having a match with somebody that doesn't really have any like real reason behind it other than it's two really good wrestlers and then Dax loses. I, I'm, I'm officially over all of those. And I think that that him losing when I did think that there was a chance that he could win in the middle of that match just kind of, made me like leave it with a little bit of like a, eh. like I, I recognize it was a very good match, but I, I need, if Dax is going to have these singles matches, I need him to either win or I need there to at least be some storyline to it at this point. Like, it's just, it feels like it's almost, um, it feels like it's almost like a crutch where they're like, Hey, we need to fill time with something really good. And I shouldn't even say fill time. That feels like, uh, it's it, that that's, that's not what these matches are. They're not time filler, but like, you know what I'm saying? In terms of, it feels like it, it feels like it's just Tony going to the well every time of like, who else could Dax have a great match where he loses to them? Yeah. I'm, yeah it's, it's, yeah, you're not, you're not wrong. It sucks that he doesn't win ever. I think it's going to get redundant and dull. And I think if he has, let's say he wrestled um, Malachi black next week, you'd be like, Oh, who fucking come on. I'd also like to see cash do that too, though, and get some time to wrestle as well or have them wrestle as a fucking tag team, you know? Mm-hmm. but yeah and just have a re- yeah have a reason for why he's having these singles matches because it made sense earlier in the year when he was doing the owen tournament and everything like that but i don't know it's very just- true and i do appreciate the fact that at least tony's going like okay you know what he's gonna have fucking amazing matches let's run with it because at least it creates good content for the vault and the streaming site or whatever the hell you know but yeah, there could be a little bit more storyline behind it because they are cold and maybe that it's going to do in a weird sort of way more harm than good. 
because he's not presented as a credible threat as a singles wrestler. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and there's that part of it where it's like, yeah, he might not be the greatest singles wrestler, but it's tag team wrestler. He's one of the best. Him and his tag team partners have the best chemistry. They get all of that. So like, I understand that you can sell that whole thing, but I don't know. I just I, there was something about it where I just kind of left like uh, feeling negative about it almost. Um, which is why my match of the week was uh, yet again the Elite versus the Death Triangle. This time the Elite got their first win in this series so it's now a two to one series as we head into match four um and we're looking at uh you know we got to see every single time they've done a good job of of creating a different style match and this one was nice they the the elite attacked them before the match started kind of had it going in as a brawl um then kind of continuing down uh from there i think uh you know we saw uh Pac when he got held by uh the by the bucks for uh omega to hit the uh v trigger and then ended up getting a hit with a super kick instead and just kind of seeing some insane moves by the lucha brothers throughout um once again just a a great match you saw the whole storyline with penta having the hammer and phoenix not wanting to use it which i think is really interesting because you saw phoenix was the one who used it in the initial match at all out uh so just kind of interesting to kind of keep that dynamic where it was clear that he just he didn't want to use it he did it out of desperation the first time and penta and pack seemed to just want to use it just to end the match at any time uh so interesting to see where that's going and um you know i i think you had talked about chris that you would have liked to have seen this go to a sweep just because that would have been something new and different my worry is that this best of seven still ends with the elite winning uh, you know, in a game seven type of thing in LA, which I get it. It makes sense. They, you know, they do still deserve a run with the trios titles, but I, I also kind of would like to see um, the death triangle. I feel like they tend to get thrown to the side for all the other stars. They right? do. And, yeah, totally and so it would be nice to see them actually win this. Then they feud with house of black and maybe drop the titles to house of black. Yeah. Give them that like cementation of just, we are the best three, but then pass it on later. But, I thought it was a very good match, too. This was a good show to have such fantastic uh, wrestling matches that are totally different styles. Um, it speaks to a wider, you know, just who, you know, whatever your interest is and whatever type of wrestling you like the most. You had something uh, in this show that you could be a fan of. Um, I, and they were moving at such a fast clip to start off the match, too. Like, I was like, God, how are they going to keep this up? Um, and good on them that we've had three spectacular matches to start it off and it hasn't gotten stale or it hasn't gotten like uh they're just doing the same shit i haven't felt like it's just repetitive it feels so fresh and it feels so chaotic and crazy and to keep that momentum up is incredible in itself that the the way they attacked him before the match and the the speed of it all that starts the way the the elite does it it's it shows like a desperation in the story of just they're down two zero they know they need a win no matter what it takes just awesome little little emotional storytelling i watched i watched like five the first five minutes of uh being the elite today and they were talking they're backstage kind of saying like all right we're gonna attack them before the you know before they even get to the ring tonight we're gonna you know mess them up uh, (laughs) screw with their timing and they mentioned that phoenix had his son come out the last time and kenny omega i think it was just goes up that's collateral damage (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and then and the box like won't be the first time you've wrestled a nine-year-old so <laughs> oh, that's great uh I, I thought that was pretty funny but um you know we're not at cringe of the week yet but i think 
a contention for cringe of the week or cringe of the year might be my hatred of the idea of the trios titles and how often I've had a trios title match as my match of the week. Seems like that's happening quite a bit right now. Um, So spot on. Oh my God. (laughs) It's been, I, uh, that that's a freezing cold take I had back when those were announced. So, or even before. So just want to, Kobe's going to go under now. I think you said that in about 12 episodes. That was, yeah, it was an article that we rejected from the website. I did a hunger. Yeah, I did a, I did a one week hunger strike because of it. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on though, to our moment of the week, Chris, what was your favorite moment? I love the MJF and Regal uh, segment. Now it definitely, uh, wasn't as strong as some of MJF's brilliant shit that he's done this year. And you could feel the audience going, I want to root for you. I want you to be a baby face. I'm not into this. And he was really working to the crowd. But when he turned in and just got pissed off and got into MJF, he hit them back with, I'm not going to fucking wrestle. I'm only going to wrestle on pay-per-view or you guys can't afford it. Just like the mean MJF venom came back up. Um, and, I like that his character is just this vindictive and this evil that he still has to turn on Regal out of spite. Like he just he can't let it go. He's just that much of a piece of shit and gets him with the brass knucks. The moment when he ran into his, we put his hands in his pocket. I think like everyone in America was like, now I see him doing it. Now I get it. Now he's going to turn on mm-hmm. him. You know, we all had that Eureka moment together at the same time. Um, yeah, would I like to see him as a babyface because it'd be kind of different and he's acting as a heel who's a babyface kind of like Rock 98. I thought that maybe they were going to go there uh, and then eventually turn him heel after whatever. It was still fine. I, I thought this segment was very good. Uh, I liked it a lot. I know people didn't like it or they didn't think it made sense to put this much heat on Regal, especially if he's leaving it writes him off in a very organic way. And what else are you going to do with him at this point anyways? Now, I don't know. It kind of made sense. It's a way to finish him off and um, it's going to start a new feud with uh, Danielson. So I liked it. I, I agree. It was really, it was well done. I, I texted you guys, you know, before he got into the whole, I'm not going to wrestle on TV or, you know, any of that stuff. I, I initially wasn't really feeling that promo. It just, there was nothing about it that, felt great and i think part of it's because we're spoiled because he had he had some killer promos leading up to things so it was like it was you know when you have a bunch of a plus performances then a what feels like a b it feels actually you know is actually it it probably was still an a but it just felt lower than that because of where we've been with him but i i liked it i saw i saw people once again complaining about the whole why would he turn on regal you know whether or not regal's leaving like why would he do that blah, blah blah it to me it's clear it's MJF has been getting face reactions, even though he has been like, even when he was officially like, Hey, I am a heel still type of a thing, like behaving like one still was getting, I mean, look at how he was received against Mox at the pay-per-view people were chanting, fuck you to Mox. And so I think you had to do this and people don't seem to understand. They're like, well, Regal turned, he was a bad guy. So why would I feel bad? Because at the end of the day, like we're seeing that Regal was manipulated. He was treated, he was basically used for exactly what MJF needed. And then he dumped him immediately. Uh, you know, Regal got duped into tra- turning on two of his best friends. If you can't see if you need every single thing spelled out to you, then maybe you do yeah. need to, like, maybe you do need to go watch WWE because they do a good job of over explaining every single thing that happens and, you know, showing 
10 minute video packages before every feud match because there's so many things that they want to make sure you're caught up on. You should be able to read into some of the smaller things and, and understand what it all means. I thought it was really good. Uh, Sean, did you have any thoughts on it? Yeah, no, just Regal got tricked by the devil. That was perfect. I I think we kind of expressed we were in the group chat. We're a little relieved that that was just the, the title change, just kind of changed leather. Nothing nothing too crazy. So Oh, yeah. It was I was so fun. fucking nervous about that. Oh, and, God. Uh, we came yeah. out pretty okay, I'd say. I failed to put that in my article about the it's, about dynamite, but because it wouldn't be beneath MJF in character to do something so ostentatious and tacky. Like, yes, this belt is tacky, but it doesn't look too weird because that's the kind of garb he wears, right? But like, yeah. God, he could have put a spinner title on it just to fucking but get people mad. MJF just, instead of AEW, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like a, a spinner title. Taste. Or make it look just like a title that everybody's shit on, like the new NJPW title. It probably wouldn't do it with that since oh, they actually God, have a that working have relationship a, with them. Oh, or like have it look like a ripoff of the WWE title, like something like that. Uh, I, would, no, I actually, honestly, like, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't think I'd ever buy a wrestling belt. Um, I just don't see myself having that that amount of disposable income that I'm willing to just spend it on that when I have other things I'd rather spend my money on. Um, I think ahead, in Chris. private, I'd even be embarrassed. Even if I had a wrestling belt, I'd still kind of be like, this is too far. Yeah. yeah. Like, wouldn't yeah. touch it on the we, wall every day. We have I a fucking like podcast and we have a website. We talk about wrestling, <laughs> but like to have a wrestling belt would be like, man, you fucking, you need to stop. This is just sad. <laughs> One step over I, the line. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I would, uh, I would have it like in my man cave, but I'd have like a secret hidden door where you would you'd have <laughs> to open that. Yeah. around. <laughs> If only the right friends are over, it can be out. If otherwise, you got to fucking hide that thing. <laughs> yeah, you got to pull the right book on the bookshelf. Ah, oh, that's so awesome. It flies around. Oh. Um, but the, yeah, I I just I thought that it was it was well done. Like if I was going to buy a belt, like that's I would say it actually kind of is cool, just because it is. It's a small change. It's it's the you know the Burberry of MJF, so it kind of has that uh, that feel to them. But they did a good job, and I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Sean, because I kind of forgotten about that um what was your moment of the week sean mine that hot hot start to the to the dynamite show hangman coming out confronting moxley like that perfect 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 even moxley alluding to hangman's concussion from their match <laughs> just a uh, awesome awesome little reference and it really pissed off hangman and that was uh, a nice little brawl and that continued on later and with hangman throwing him into the the whatever garage door Perfect, perfect segment. Glad to see him back and uh, can't wait to see what we're going to see with these two coming up. It was a great way to write off the fact that Mox wasn't going to be there later when MJF and Regal were out yep. doing their promo. Yeah, totally. And then also, I loved Excalibur as soon as Hangman came out saying, we don't think he's cleared. He hasn't been cleared yet. And, th- and then he gets in a fight and he goes, he must have been cleared right before showtime. Uh, I just thought that that was a nice touch too, because I bought into it when he said he hasn't been cleared. So I didn't think that they were going to touch. I thought that it was just going to be some promo battle or something like that, but it, it wasn't, no it was way. a nice, uh, it got rough and rowdy and, um, a nice, nice little way to, like I said, write, write that off. I'm excited to see those two feud and not for the title. Oh. I think that that gives yep. me a better feeling that hangman can actually win that feud. You know, I briefly touched on, you know, on, in my article that hangman's, you know, his character, his story arc for the first two years is probably my favorite story that they've had in AEW. 
And I, I want to see him get back to being prominent again. It feels like since his title loss, he's just kind of, he's been a name that they, they have him come out for a big pop or something like that, or they have him tied in with the dark order, break him away from that. Let him be the star that you were showing that he is and can be. And I think this is a good start to that. Chris, did you have any more thoughts on it? Oh, I just love this too. Hangman is AEW, and it was great to see him back in his old glory. Yeah. What a, one of the, one of the best themes, I think, too, in AEW. Like one of the few ones where it hits and you 100% know what it is. I mean, obviously, wild Did thing you, you do too, yeah. but that that little, is that, is that a banjo? I don't know instruments. Uh, that it makes me crave a modello. That's all I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, it's a beautiful sound and uh, excited, excited every time he comes out. I, it, it brings me back to when I was there uh, in Dallas to see him come out, like hearing his music hit. And mm-hmm. when the crowd is super into hangman is just a great moment. So um, we just talked about great moments. So uh, let's talk about the worst. Chris, what was yours? It's a split. It's like rampage is so uninteresting this last week. It was like one of the worst episodes they've ever put out. Um, I like an hour of wrestling. I think uh, you can still have a show that's good, even if it's not an a show, but the effort that's been put into it and what they're, almost telling the audience this is like a C show or a D show and that's too bad. And I think there's so much potential for rampage to be a better show. And this just was really by the numbers. I had a hard time. I I still haven't put it on the website and reviewed it just because I don't have the inspiration. Like, it's just like, I don't know what I'm going to say and I don't want to be negative, but it just was nothing um, to the episode. It just really felt by the numbers and just kind of like, "Eh, whatever. And we we talked about it on Saturday. It felt like, when you, you go up to an exam and you're like, I didn't study any of this. Nothing was rememberable. No. Just everything kind of trash. Yeah. It, it It's like you said, it doesn't even feel like a B show at this point. It feels like Sunday night heat. You know, it's uh, just velocity. You could miss yeah. it or you don't. Yeah. And it was a point of really horrible rating too. Which was like, ooh, I saw that before we, we uh, recorded oh, yeah. it. Very low. I think it was one of the lower shows they've ever done or ratings they've ever done. Down like forty. And it's like, well, you gotta. Forbes, yeah, Forbes put out an article that they've uh, they like they've completely lost like the eighteen to twenty five demographic, which I don't know what the fuck that means, but they've uh, they've lost a lot of young viewers on on Rampage, which it's a death slot. It's ten p.m. on a Friday, but put some yeah. effort into it or just. I'd rather at that point just you make I know it makes no sense because I could just watch it on Saturday mornings, but if you're gonna put in a death slot, just put it at Saturdays at like ten AM or something like that, where you could just yeah. wake up, watch it, eat, you know, eat, eat your breakfast and, and watch a little bit of wrestling. But it's it's kind of sad to see what it's become. <laughs> uh, I do want to say on velocity though, there was a point in my life where I liked velocity strictly because I liked the color green and that was the color of that. I always wanted them to like Switch. I always I wanted them to make Velocity more important just because I liked their logo. Never Velocity. Oh, okay. What? I remember he Saturday. It was Saturday night. It was Saturday nights, right? I think Sunday it was. Nights? I think SmackDown I was know. Friday. Sunday I think Velocity was. I think I think it was Saturday Velocity and then Sunday Night Heat. Um, Sean, what was your cringe of the week? My cringe uh, came with the Ruby Soho return. It was the weakest attempt of a tackle that I've ever seen till, I guess, actually Friday night when we watched the USC uh, defense just really not really do shit. But 
she's not someone who I really want to see back. It was kind of actually refreshing that she wasn't back in the the uh, the women's division yet with her injury or whatever she's been gone from. Not really happy to see her back. She's not really going to add too much, especially when she's just doing the same old shtick with uh, Ty Conti, Ty Mello. Not uh, not a fan, <laughs> especially with a with a awful little showing like that. Or when uh, when Ty Conti he throws an throws a forearm and then she takes the bump. Yeah, yeah. She's just awful. I mean, just when you return, you want it to be a, a fucking hot return, right? Like just something great. And I, we've talked about it, you know, offline, probably on the podcast too, but I think Ruby Soho is one of the people that I feel like kind of tricked me almost. I thought when she was in WWE, she was being held back and just wasn't Mm -hmm. getting a chance to show how good she was. We had seen her before her WWE days and, um, she, no, she, she's either regressed a lot or, uh, we were just completely off on that i just i just have not enjoyed her her in-ring work or you know any part of her run really other than her theme song and uh you know hopefully hopefully that changes and we'll be uh we'll be proven wrong down the line but i do not see it i think her and then um i i remember when jake hager debuted in AEW. I hadn't watched any of I hadn't watched the season of Lucha Underground that he was on and I was I had convinced myself that maybe he would be actually like a really good wrestler and um no I was completely wrong on that one too so uh <laughs> this oh, is just geez. an episode where I'm just I'm just admitting all of my previous bad takes yeah who else do you hate Alex come on we accept you for that <laughs> well um I I will say too on Hager I almost made this my cringe of the week Am I the only one that doesn't think that the hat thing is over? Like I, it feels I, like yeah. it feels like they think it's over and it's this funny bit, but it's so forced and unfunny to me. I like the like only that. time it was funny was when Orange Cassie was like, like your hat. That yeah. was that was like the closest thing, but but like it's like Hager Hager's like the guy who got his first laugh and like in like math class and now just keeps saying the same joke every single day. And doesn't understand the law of diminishing returns. Sounds and, like some uh, wrestling sessions. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, yeah, maybe, maybe. What if that's his, if that's his gimmick right now? Is just a wrestling show fan, a fan at a wrestling show that said something funny one time. That's actually gold. Um, but my actual cringe of the week was uh, Bow Wow and his lackluster response. I don't think the crowd made a single noise uh, when he showed up on the television screen which is what continues to make me think that my theory is correct because why the fuck would you have Bow Wow involved in anything in 2022 if it's not to unleash Mercedes Farnado slash Sasha Banks slash, you know, Mercedes credit union, whatever you want to call her onto AEW. It feels like, it feels like Tony would understand that there is $0 in, uh, in Bow Wow on AEW television. Uh, so that was just not a not a great uh, reaction, and uh, I hope I hope he does have something up his sleeve for his sake when he does come out. Speaking of money, uh, Jade Cargill's outfit. Whew. That was really. I didn't realize that that was a bodysuit. That was it like was. a full suit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Somebody well, pointed that out. 
Hey. I guess I'll have to investigate. I did not <laughs> uh, did not uh, really seem like that on my first glance. I know. Yeah. No. That the because uh, I and I believe the AEW seamstress. She's a she she was in WWE for years, right? Yeah. She was yeah backstage yeah, there. So that was, it was a very. I think that that was a perfect perfect for Jade's character. You know. The whole money, the money thing. I think that that was, especially when she remember when she first started, and people kept calling her green. So she's like, "Yeah, I'm green like money." Yeah. So mm-hmm. it all plays well with each other. Um, no, moving good. on though to our uh, anticipation, Chris, what are you looking forward to? The ROH pay per view. Just kidding. Oh, you are. <laughs> that was going to be my like kind of second <laughs> half of my cringe. I just realized it, and I forgot because that's how this pay per view kind of keep feels. it going. Keep it going. Like, I I don't know. Is there anything on that pay-per-view that you're like, oh, shit, I got to see that? The retread of Yuta and Garcia for the like, fifth time this year? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it feels like that's the whole, the only thing, maybe Athena and Mercedes, Mercedes Martinez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be good. Um, but, but yeah. Especially okay. with this current character that Athena's doing. I think you yeah. even texted the group this week. She She's like the one bright spot right now on Rampage. Yeah. That was the that was my show highlight for Rampage. I really thought she did a great job and looks good. But um, no, that pay per view just doesn't seem interesting. And like this is typically a time when I would be like, "Oh, there's no football. What am I going to do with my life?" Like that would be a perfect time to watch this pay per view. But just I don't know. Um, but FTR and uh, the Acclaim that'll be a fantastic match. I can't wait to see that on Wednesday. Uh, I wonder if FTR are going to turn heel though. I have like a little bit of an inkling that that could be the case. Just how kind of a dick move it was for them just to march past. I know they're heels and it's Jeff Jarrett and who cares, but just the way that they were kind of like blowing by them and prancing on the way to rampage. I was like, ah, it's just kind of a, like a dick move kind of in a way. Um, But I hope it doesn't turn into like a schmoz with the ass boys and Jeff Jarrett goofing it up in there. And like, it's a non-finish. Like that would be very Vincey. So hopefully it's actual like a they do a finish, but I'd love to see FDR win. But do they even have a match for the pay-per-view on Saturday? It's just it's That's a weird. Yeah. yeah, it's just it's all odd right now. That is my anticipation as well. I do believe though that it'll be some sort of a no finish so that at winter is coming the following week, they will run it back in some form and i do think that there that there's a good chance of them maybe turning there i did see that uh aew has filed a trademark for the hat trick which if you look at it as like roh new japan or iwgp titles and then um jake hager tag titles or something like that jake hager what (laughs) yeah it's gonna be that's for him (laughs) oh god he's just gonna it's fucking hilarious Get it? It's this hilarious. Be, the wizard Chris Jericho is going to be just pulling rabbits out of, yeah. out of that purple hat or something. Uh, uh, so no. that'll be. I, I think that. <laughs> I think if if they're going to do a title change, they'll they'll do they'll find a way to push it to uh, winter is coming. So that's kind of where I I see that happening. But definitely looking forward to it either way, and will be interesting to see how the crowd reacts to FTR versus the acclaimed because it's just two acts that the crowd yeah, fucking eats it up. And I, yeah, crazy to say it in 2022, but I think, I think Billy Gunn slash daddy ass is kind of the difference maker in there. That'll, that'll actually have the fans continuing to cheer for the acclaimed over FTR. 
Isn't that insane, though, to think that it's going to be the guy who gets the best reaction is Billy goddamn motherfucking gun. 2022. It's crazy. It's hard to. More, him. I mean, like, the more the things hey, change, the more they stay the same. Sex sells and sex stays, man. That's <laughs> awesome. Sean, what was your, uh, or what, what's your anticipation? I think, I think I know what it is and I think Chris does, but I'm excited to hear it, uh, come out of your Whoa. mouth. There's been some secret news that we've been, been holding off on for, for this, uh, 40 minutes that we've had much deliberation between our board of directors, the FCC, we're moving to Thursdays. You're going to hear us on Fridays, fresh after dynamite rampage. Like we were saying, it's just not cutting it. So we're going to hit you quick with dynamite because that's, that's the main show. That's where all our meat and potatoes come from. So expect to hear us right before you hit the weekend and uh, maybe have a re-listen on the weekend on Saturday while you're just hanging out. It's cold. It's winter. Stay in. Listen to us. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think, I think we lose some momentum at times. Uh, first of all, when I get really sad about how bad Rampage is, but then also waiting until you know Mondays to record, Tuesdays we come out, and then Wednesdays the next episode of Dynamite. So I'm excited to see not only from a, what does this do for our our you know listenership and everything like that, uh, analytics uh, type stuff, but more so I think I think we'll be very refreshed and you know in terms of some of our conversations around uh, what's happening and our excitement about uh, the product. So looking forward to it and also looking forward to uh my monday nights not being uh me editing um because some t- <laughs> so uh i'm excited about that aspect as well my one problem with this is we waited till the end of the football season and i've been doing this hungover on mondays and now <laughs> on thursday we would miss some awful thursday night football games it would have been fine yeah it'll be nice to have a reason to not have amazon prime on on a thursday night <laughs> Al Michaels shitting watch, on the own product. It's like JR watch, on commentary. Watch John Wolford versus Russell Wilson or whatever it is. Uh, I don't believe we've uh, we've established a date for when we're going to make this move yet. Uh, so keep an eye out on that. Uh, once again, there might be some other uh, big changes coming to uh, what you currently know of the Elitist soon. So we'll, uh, we'll announce those as we have some more details. Chris, did you have anything to add? No, I'm excited. <laughs> I think it's great. No, I mean, I think, uh, and let's be honest, Dynamite is 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 a, such a good show. And I think uh, we'll naturally be very excited to talk about it on Thursday. And there'll be uh, much more that's fresh in our minds. And I think there'll be more debate on what was match of the week or segment of the week or whatever the hell, uh, just because we'll be so into it. So I'm excited for it. I like it. Um, yeah. And it's a shame that, Rampage isn't providing enough material to buoy us until Monday, but we got to move on. And we'll still Indeed. talk about I, it if it's good. Yep. And yeah. That's late. That's fine. But the bigger stuff. Yeah, happening. exactly. That's, that's the exciting thing. We can still talk about it. Um, just kind of a little bit, a little bit more retrospective on Rampage and rather than our retrospective being more so on uh, Dynamite. So uh, looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to the year to come, 2023. And uh, once, like we talked about earlier, I did write my uh, article just as kind of my top five things I'd like to see uh, from from AEW in, in order for them to change. And I'm I'm not going to talk through what all five of those points were because I uh, want you to go want you to go uh, read the website. You know, trying to sell we're trying to sell pay per views out here, 
And so I will uh, not talk about those five unless you two have like a specific one that either perhaps resonated with you, you thought, or if you have something that I missed that you felt like this is what you want to see in 2023 from AEW. Uh, Chris, I'll start with you. I'd like to see injury lists and, and updates on who is not active. Um, I think just like how many times have we been like, what's going on with Miro? How many times have we had those moments where like, okay, what's going on with Andrade? If you weren't yeah. plugged into yeah. podcasts and dirt sheets, you wouldn't know what was going on with some of these people. And I think you can still do it in a kayfabe way. Um, but I'd like to have some semblance of an injury report. And that's also a, um, it's a it's a narrative device, just like how rankings were supposed to be to explain why someone has gone. If you just don't have any ideas for Ruby Soho, okay, she's injured. And it gives the beatdowns during segments a little bit more of validity and you okay, yeah, they're on the injured list or on the IR or whatever. Um, I would just like to see that. I don't know if that's gonna be everyone's cup of tea, but it would be mine just to explain where the hell people go. And how come you're not seeing Eddie Kingston this week? It's a great idea. Yeah, I I think it'd be good. I think more so used as a storyline device rather than like necessarily needing it all the time. I think it's just if someone's going to have an extended absence or if you're like, why was Ricky Starks? Why did he just have five weeks in a row where he was, you know, on fire and now you don't see him for three weeks and there's no explanation as to why? I think those types of times Sean Spears. It's, it's more so. Yeah. There's so many people. So yeah, I do think that there'd be some sort of like an active list, even if it's not injury. Like you don't have to tell me, oh, Taurus meniscus or something like that. But like, just at least let me know if I'm going to see somebody. I, I know um, you want to have the element of surprise and everything like that, but I think you can still work around that. Um, Sean, what about you? Um. I definitely would like to uh, reiterate the the extra point you had of a, a Detroit pay per view. Would love to see that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I feel like in in the recent memory, we've kind of lost the uh, dynamic championship run of the, the women's division with like we had with Doctor Britt Baker D and D. I'd love to see that with Jamie Hader. Let's get back to that and uh, give that title some shine this year because we're not going to see MJF wrestle every couple weeks. So let's uh, let's give some shine to that women's championship belts. I, I think that's actually a great point. If if you create, if you can, if you create a, a system where the women's title can use the fact that MJF isn't wrestling all the time and is more so doing promos and, and feuds that are long-term and treat the women's title as kind of the main title that's constantly, you know, being chased after, I think that uh, you can actually build a, a, a uh, an exciting product on that side, which is probably one of the biggest uh, complaints that a lot of fans seem to have. Yeah. Jamie Hader's the perfect one to do it. There's a, there's a total desire to have um, her run with this belt and make it special. And then you can have Statlander do something with her or Jade when -hmm. she comes back and people are going to be excited by it. But yeah, I think that's a great idea, Sean. I like it. Thanks guys. Well, everybody, uh, if you like those points and you want to hear a few more, oh, yeah. please go ahead on to wrestlingelitist.com and check out the article, Five Things That We're Wishing For uh, in 2023. And feel free to share the things that you're looking for uh, as you go into 2023 as well, whether it's via Twitter 
uh, at Wrestling Latest Podcast, Instagram, or hit us up on the website. You could find our contact information on there. Uh, we appreciate everybody who listens, shares, and um, likes all of our stuff. I think um, I get a little bit of a high every time I do see uh, one of our videos taken off, even though it also fills me with fear. And um, so <laughs> please continue to give me that fear. Um, Rick Rude, take us home. Hit the music.